Joshua chapter 5, remain standing if you're able to. If you're not able to remain standing or stand, stand up on the inside as we honor God's word. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Brace yourself. Everybody say, brace yourself. All right, here we go. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or our enemies? Neither. What? That's what it says. Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I bet he did. Verse 1 of Joshua 6. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. No one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I want you to say that with me. See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. What kind of a shout? A loud shout. Can you say it a little louder? A loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up everyone straight in. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city, with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. Father, thank you for what you did in the first service. Now what you'll do in the second, I pray that you would release unto us living understanding that we would be changed because of the preaching of your word. I pray that you would be so gracious to take a coal from your altar, that you might place it upon my lips, Lord, that as I preach and as I speak, it would burn faith in the hearts of each and every man, woman, and child. Have your way. Release all that's in your heart. May we be forever changed because of this service, I pray. All those online, all those in this place in agreement said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. Glory to God. We live in a fallen world, as I'm in the introduction. We do have notes for you so you can fill those out and go preach it to somebody else. If you need a copy of those notes, lift your hand. If you don't want to use them, that's fine. Again, you can pick those up on the, on the app as well. We live in a fallen human world. There is a battle. There is a war going on. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, we're at war, baby. Come on, tell them. Yeah, we're, we're at war. We're at war. And the Apostle Paul said, I wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered me. You see this dark Satan prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, constantly trying to hinder God's people, constantly trying to undermine the kingdom, if it were possible, even to turn the hearts of the elect. So we're living in a world, we live in a fallen human world, fallenness of mankind, and there's a war going on. If you're going to win, and it's certainly God's intention for you to win, 
It's God's intention for you to overcome. It's God's intention for you to be more than a conqueror. It's God's intention for you to walk in victory. It's God's plan, for I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Come on, God's got a plan. Somebody say, God's got a plan. Yeah, God's got a plan, and the devil's got a plan. I want God's plan. Do you want God's plan? Yes, we do. We want God's plan. And in order to have God's plan or God's strategy, you need, a, you, you need to receive that from him. So I called this message, Remove Your Shoes. And I gave it a subtitle of Receiving and Implementing God's Plan. We had numerous um, errors on the notes in the previous service. I trust they've been fixed. So we, we hope so. And if not, then we further proof of being humans. So look at this text. Uh, first of all, in review, Joshua is now in charge. Moses is dead. God is bringing his people from the desert into the promised land. And Moses is not allowed to go in. Joshua takes over. The Jordan's at flood stage. And, and God's leading them by Joshua and the ark, his presence, across this Jordan that parts miraculously as they obey supernaturally seeing the hand of God stop the Jordan all the way from the city of Adam and cut it off all the way to the Dead Sea. And they cross over on dry ground. Now, the reason Jericho, Jericho was shut up. Nobody's going in. Everybody say shut up. Jericho shut up. Nobody goes in. Nobody goes out. Why? Because they're totally freaked out. What do you mean they're freaked out? Can you imagine if you just saw this miraculous parting of the Jordan and here come all of these Israelites. You'd be like, oh, we're in trouble. They're terrified. And so they cross over, and God, the master's military strategist, has everyone get circumcised. All the men are circumcised. Like, wow, that doesn't sound like a wise strategy to me. No, they would have been like, let's hamstring all the warriors and see how well they can fight. So that's what happens. Fear is over the, the, the nations of Canaan's land, and God says, you've got some stuff that's unfinished. You need to be completely in covenant with me. You need to get rid of some of this. They had... I think they didn't you know, really have a deep relationship with the Lord. Their parents, and we talked about this in previous uh, Sunday. I think it was last Sunday. Their parents had disdain, I think, for the Lord. Otherwise, they would have followed through in the command to circumcise their children. It was a sign of the covenant. God said, it's not an order. You need to get everything in order before we go and take this promised land. And in application, New Testament, it's the circumcision of your heart. Some of you have things inside of you you know God wants to set you free from, but you refuse to let the flint knife of God's Word sharpen any two-edged sword, in fact, to circumcise your heart by His Spirit and to begin to let go of the, some of the relationships of the past, things of the past, bondages, and get totally free and set on fire for the Lord. And uh, if you don't get set on fire and have a circumcision of your heart, then you're just going to stay on the other side of the Jordan. You won't be able to walk in freedom, won't be able to walk in power. You won't see all the promises of God are yes and amen. There are, there are only yes and amen for those that love God or called according to His purpose. Somebody says, it's all going to work out, Pastor. It ain't all going to work out if you don't love God. That's, that's Romans 8, 28. And we know that God works all things together for the good, for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. So it ain't all going to work out if you, unless you love God. So here's Joshua now. They've gone through this circumcision process. Three days later, 
And Joshua is confronted by the commander of the army of the Lord. I mean, that's pretty intense right there in verse 14. And we see that God doesn't fit in Joshua's categories. He doesn't fit in, in, in Joshua's categories. To me, it's simple. I mean, it's like the good guys, the bad guys, the, the God's people and the enemies. But there, there's more than that. He's confronted by the captain of the host, and he says, Are you for us or against us? And I love the boldness of, of Joshua. Are you for us or against us? And the captain of the host of the armies of the Lord says, Neither. I'm neither for you or your enemies. I'm on my own side. He doesn't fit in his own categories. It really is interesting. Also, if you study the Hebrew here, it's not a vision that he's having. It's an actual physical experience of seeing God manifested in the Old Testament. It's called a theophany. A what? A theophany. A visible manifestation of the God in the Old Testament. And so Joshua here is actually confronting God. And that's pretty intense. You say, how do you know that? There's a number of reasons we know that. And I'll prove to you that it was the Lord. Although there are some scholars that differ on, on this topic. I guess we'll know for sure when we get to heaven. But there's certain aspects of it that indicate that it's not just an angel. It's not an angel. It's actually, most likely, Jesus in the Old Testament. Well, how, what, what proof do you have? Well, you see that he, he worships. He worships. He, he bows down and he worships. Now, Joshua knew, above all, the commandments of God. In fact, the Lord spoke to Joshua in Joshua 1, you know, to keep all of his commandments. Let the word of the, the word not depart from your mouth. He knew the commandments of Moses. He knew them. And he knew out of Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, you're not to make an image. You're not to worship anything else but the Lord God. So when he bows down and he worships him, it's not an angel. And it's not some just visitor. It's God. And in fact, he calls him Lord. Look at that. He says, Lord, my Lord. Now, it's true in the language. The, the, the original language is Hebrew, Old Testament Hebrew, small section of the book of Daniel in Aramaic. New Testament is written in Greek, Koine Greek. It's not today's Greek. It's different. So you're holding a translation of that, whatever language you're reading it in. So he worships. He calls him Lord. And then, and then just like Exodus 3, 5, the Lord says to him, take your sandals off. Take your shoes off. The ground where you're standing is holy. Eastern understanding, anytime you walked into a temple, you'd take your shoes off. In holy ground, you'd take your shoes off. It's a picture that shoes protected your feet from being dirty. And he tells them, just like he said to Moses, remove your shoes. You know, God's going to give us a plan. I'm going to tell you the first thing, you're going to have to remove your shoes. And that's a picture of the world. It's a picture of your own thinking. It's a picture of the way that you walk by sight and not by faith. It's, it's a picture of many things. So I want to speak with you about get, getting a strategy for your Jericho. And God gives a strategy for, for the Jericho that's before him. I mean, it's kind of like, can you imagine being Joshua? I mean, you, you did the, the Jordan parts, and now the, you know, the, the men are in pain, and they're recovering, and now it's time to go to battle. It's just like, yeah, how are we going to deal with that massive, those walls? And this is like totally impossible. You're God. You're God. I'm thinking he's going on a prayer walk. Like, what's next? God gives him this strategy of how to defeat Jericho. All right. How to receive God's plan. How to receive God's strategy. Six things right from the text. Well, the first thing is, must be obeying what God's already spoken to you. 
Listen, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the number one thing. you got to get saved. you got to get born again. You must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that and all you do is go to church, I'm glad you're coming. But the whole point is you would come so that you might repent, so that you would become born again. You must be born again. If you can't remember being born again, then you probably haven't been. Amen. I mean, that's the first step. But you've got to continue to obey God as He brings you revelation. You know, you can't move beyond the revelation that you have. And when God begins to, and He releases revelation, listen, if you try to move beyond the revelation of God that you have, you're going to end up in trouble. I've had people try to encourage me to do things that the Lord has said. That's wonderful, but He's going to have to tell me too. And He can use people, but it's got to be confirmed in my spirit. So... You must be obeying what God's already spoken to you. God's got a plan, and it's progressive. We call it this way. Uh, we call it pro- progressive apostolic vision. God gives you vision, but then, you know, Josh, Josh here, he didn't have the plan before he crossed over the Jordan. Joshua had obeyed with Moses. He'd obeyed his whole life. He was a great man, and now he's, he's been obeying, and now God can talk to him and give him, here's B. But he didn't get C and D until, you know, he didn't know about hornets being released, which comes later. He didn't know about having to march all night. comes later on. He didn't know about the different things he had to do. He just got the next plan. So many people are so focused on, well, what am I going to do about when I get here? Don't worry about it. You're not there yet. You don't, you move with the revelation that you have. Today is, today is the, the evil is sufficient thereof. Today. Give us this day our daily bread, right? Okay, so we got to be obeying what God's already spoken. You know, second, secondly, recognize that God will come. I'm telling you, God will come. He's got a plan, and He's going to help you. He's going to speak. He's a speaking God. Don't worry. He didn't teach you how to swim so you could drown. So the Lord who brought you this far is going to bring you all the way if you'll trust Him. Trust Him. Trust His plan. God will speak. Don't get all stressed out. Don't get all worried. Don't wring your hands. Oh, what if? What if? Some of you worry about stuff that's never going to happen. God's got a plan. Humble yourself. Everybody say, humble yourself. That's what Joshua does. He humbles himself. It's a good idea. Humble yourself. You know, I received a word early on in my salvation by my pastor who was just here on Tuesday, Dr. Morocco. And uh, he said, Daniel, listen to me. If you will stay humble, broken, and transparent all of your life, you'll always be used by God, and you won't fail. I just thought... Humble, broken, transparent. Humble, broken, transparent. I mean, it's written on my heart. Say, are you humble? I am the most humble person here. <laughs> Listen, God has no problem humbling you. I, I, amen. God has no problem humbling you. Humility, God is drawn to humility like a magnet. Pride comes before a fall. But God will elevate the humble. And, and, and Joshua here, he's humble. Listen, humble yourself. God takes his hand off you. You wouldn't be texting right now. You'd be dropping dead. Come on, understand that he's God. And truly worship. I think that worship is one of the great keys of receiving the plan of the Lord. An interesting thing happened to me this morning. I'll tell you in just a moment. It happened in the context of me worshiping. Worship, worship, worship in your house, worship in your car. Come on, I like country music too, sort of. But I mean, turn it off and like enter into worship. Worship, worship, 
worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. If he can just get you to start praising him, that strife will break off your house. Sickness will go. Infirmity goes. God begins to release peace. Learn to be a worshiper. The Father is seeking such to worship him and worship him in spirit and in truth. Live holy. This is this picture of taking off his sandals, really, his holy ground. Listen, there's no substitute for holiness. There is a sloppy agape, a neo-Calvinist idea that's gangrenous, mostly in the lower 48, but even here in Alaska, where it says that you can just live however you want to, that God loves you, and you, you know He loves you, and there's grace, there's unmerited favor, and He's forgiven you, and He knows your sin, past, present, and future, and He's forgiven it all, and you can just live however you want to. That is not a biblical idea of grace. And, and I love what Mike Bickle says. I've quoted him many times. Any message of grace that motivates you to live more compromised is a false message. The message of grace ought to motivate you to live more like Jesus. That's all to motivate you. And, and I am Armenian, uh, more leaning towards Armenian than Calvinism, in that and then I believe that you can lose your salvation. And, I, and, and that's a whole other message. But, you know, when I first read that in Hebrews, if we continue in our faith, encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, see that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns away from the living Lord. I'm mean, like, what is that? I read that, and I remember talking to a friend of mine who was more Calvinist. I said, what does that mean? Does that mean I can lose my salvation? He said, no, no, no. Once you're saved, you're always saved. There's nothing you can do about that. I thought, Woo! I mean, it's like, that's, in other words, wow, that's good news. Maybe I can do some, maybe I can just live how I want to, yeah. But it something didn't sit right, so, you know, I, I kept going after the Lord, and, you know, I had a conversation with my pastor after that. I was still curious about it, it bothered me. He said, no, no, I, he said, uh, Daniel, uh, you, you, can, you can turn away from the Lord. There is apostasy. Listen, apostasy is a Greek word. It means falling away. Now, there's a great falling away that will come, and then the Lord returns. Now, there, there can't be a falling away unless there was first an ingathering. Now, how are you supposed to turn away from the Lord unless you actually had turned towards Him at some point? All right, no, you say, well, I don't believe that. Okay, you can believe what you want. I'm, I'm just saying, and, and, and we respect that. We'll find out when we get to heaven you know what the truth is. I mean, some of these things are mysteries to us. But, but you, you have to learn to live holy. And any message that motivates you to live however you want to is not a message from the Lord. Now, the word of the Lord is true, and without holiness, no man will see the Lord. There are things you can do that will undermine God's plan. There's things you can do to derail yourself. All right. Look at, look at verse uh, 2. Verse 2, as we move on in the notes. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. See, it's a, a definitive call to view things in the spirit and not in the natural. Understand what the, the captain of the host is saying to Joshua. 
I've already wiped out Jericho. See it? He tells him, see, Jericho is already defeated. This is so profound, and I had an encounter in my office, which I'll share with you. But let's, let me build this just a little bit. Everybody say, see. Just as the face in the face of the Red Sea, God says, stand still and see the deliverance and the salvation of your Lord. There is a biblical eyesight or a spiritual eyesight to have faith. If you can't see it, one preacher said, then you can't have it. But if you can see it, then you can have it. Dr. Yonggi Cho calls it the fourth dimension. It's the dimension of faith. Great book. I'd encourage you to read it. The fourth dimension. Everybody say, see, Jericho is defeated. I want to take you to uh, Exodus chapter 2. And in Exodus chapter 2 and then Hebrews 11, are the two scriptures that we'll look at here for a moment. In Exodus 2, we see the story of, uh, there in verse 1, there's, first of all, chapter 1, is there's a decree that's given by the Pharaoh. New king's in town, doesn't like the Jews, wants to get rid of them. The favor of Joseph is no more, and now they've become slaves. Okay, And there, when there's a change of structure, you know, you, you have to be sensitive to the change of structure, to things that happen. And so there's a change in structure. Now the Jews are getting killed. They're killing all the babies because they're too numerous. And so this genocidal decree is given by, by the Pharaoh. And it says in chapter 2, so the decree by, the genocidal decree is given by Pharaoh. So here's Exodus 2, verse 1. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married to a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a to a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, now everybody thinks their baby's fine. Somebody say amen. amen. Babies are beautiful. They come from the Lord. Amen. But that's not what this is saying. This is not saying, oh, isn't my baby beautiful? The, 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 the term here in the Hebrew, a fine child, it's, it relates to Hebrews 11. I believe it's uh, chapter 11, Hebrews 11. I think it's 22. Do I have that right? It's 23, it's the acknowledgement of why Moses' parents are in the Hall of Fame. You know what the Hall of Fame is, right? You don't... Okay. Wait, how's that? Heisman. You know what the Hall of Fame is, right? So it's the Hall of Faith. That's Hebrews 11. So Hebrews 11, let's look at this. And she became pregnant. Oh, put it up. Hebrews 11, verse 23. So she becomes pregnant. And it says, by faith, Moses' parents. So this is referring here in Hebrews eleven twenty three, right here to Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. Now, you can't just read that and just go, oh, well, of course, they're parents and they want to protect. No, there's something far greater than just the protective instincts of a parent's that God gives us over our kids. Don't touch my kids, just saying. And all the mamas and the papas said, amen. I'm sweet until you mess with my kid. I ain't sweet no more. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. So this is beyond that, though. The parents of Moses are under a decree from Pharaoh to turn the baby over. And when that baby came out, it was more than, oh, you like my little baby? Isn't he beautiful in tears? It's more than that. What it says is this. 
when they saw that he was no ordinary child in the, in the um, Exodus 2, a fine child, the, the language means this. Then they saw the baby. They saw something of the city. Not Brooklyn. Something of the city. There's a city in heaven. How many of you know that? It's something of the glory of God. So when they saw this baby, they thought, oh, you can, you can take my life if you want to, but you ain't touching that baby right there. This is the God's power, God's presence, the something of the city, some glory of God is on this child. We'll do whatever it takes to spare this. They didn't know that he was a deliverer, although they named him that Moses drew them out of the waters. I mean, God's just on this, this family, and they are acknowledged for their faith because they saw something of the glory of God on their child. I'm telling you, in your life, with your circumstances, in your marriage, in your family, with your children, in your money, in your, in your finances, in your physical body, you have to see that Jericho has already been defeated. I read the back of the book, and I'm telling you, we win. I'm telling you, you need to begin to see that. You need to begin to declare it. You need to push aside everything that tries to lie to you, say you ain't going to make it. You're going to make it because God did it already. You've got to see Jericho. Jericho's walls fallen. You got to see that sickness defeated by the blood and the power of the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Say hallelujah. But if you can't see it, then you're in trouble. Elijah is at a city called Dothan, and he's surrounded by a stupid king, his armies. This king, is, this king is frustrated because he says, every time we go to attack, then, then somebody tells the king, is there a spy in the land? And they said, no, there's a prophet. And the prophet tells, tells him where the attack's coming. He says, well, let's go kill him. Don't you think God's going to maybe let the prophet know? Anyway, it's the spirit of stupid that's on the king. And so he sends, a, he sends an army to surround him at Dothan, and the, the servant of Elisha wakes up to make a cup of French roast. Maybe. And, uh, and as he's out there, he sees his army surrounded them. And he says, Master, we're doomed. I'm paraphrasing. And the master comes out and says, Oh, no, you're just blind. You can't see. He says, Praise the Lord, open my servant's eyes. And his eyes were opened, and he saw the army of the Lord all around the mountain. Fear was released when he couldn't see, but when he could see, faith is released. So he says to Joshua, see, Jericho has already been defeated. Come on, somebody say, Lord, open my eyes. And I, I've preached on vision before, but I've never seen that in the book of Joshua. In Job 42 and 5, it says, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. It's one thing to hear about God. It's quite another thing to see him, to really have an experience of beholding him in some measure. And of course, there's a never-ending never beholding of him. That's why the seraphim cry out, holy, holy. They're constantly seeing new things about God. But heaven's not boring. I was in my office, and uh, I, I read through that, and the Spirit of God came on me, and I got up from my desk. I, I'm, this happens to me. And listen, it's not because I'm a pastor. It's just because I love God's Word, and somehow He's put a grace on me to see things occasionally. 
If you read the word like it's just some devotional thing and you close it and you go, well, that's nice. I'm going to go off and do something else. Now, listen, when you read the word, it ought to move you. Read, in fact, I would say read the word and pray until it moves you. If you just read and study and become sort of theological treatise that doesn't change you on the inside, how is that going to help you or anybody else that knows you? It's, 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 Jesus, help us. There's so many people that are full of theology and they've got no power and no transformation, no Christ-likeness, no holiness, no humility. Any theological revelation that you get from the Lord will change you. Any theological that you get from your own mind doesn't serve you to do anything but make you more religious, and we have enough of that. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. So I get up because I'm moved, and, and that's the grace of God. I'm not saying anything about me, but I mean, I want him to speak to me. I'm hungry for him to speak to anybody else. I want him to. So I, I get up. I'm like, whoa, I've never seen that. That's awesome. See, Jericho's defeated. I'm in my office. This is just a couple hours ago. Walking back and forth, and what happens to me is what I'm like, man, whoa. Wow, thank you. And then all of a sudden his presence increases more, more, more. And I heard Dr. Martin Luther King preach. Now, I know that sounds odd. What I heard him say, I, I know the sound of Dr. Martin Luther King. It wasn't the Lord. I heard his voice. Yeah, I, listen, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I'm just telling you there's supernatural things that happen. And I heard, I heard him say, I've been to the mountain. I've seen the promised land. And I just heard it over and over and over. I've been to the mountain. I've seen the promised land. I'm just thinking, whoa, whoa. I mean, it's like I'm watching YouTube, but I don't even have my phone in my hand. Like, whoa. So I went and I, 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 I typed in exactly what I heard. I've been to the mountain. I've seen the promised land. Do you know that is the last message that he preached? I went and looked it up. Some of you looking at me like, what? You crazy? Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Let me do this. It has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Listen, I know he's talking about a civil rights movement. I know it was back in the, in the 60s or whenever it was. But this is, is a profound message, and it's profound in many ways. You won't hear this on CNN. That is the last time he preached. And he, and he related himself to being like, like Moses. He said, oh, I might not get there, but I've been to the mountain, and I've seen the promised land. Now, I want to tell you something. If you can't see victory in your life, you will never have it. The enemy works so hard to make you and to form you into some sort of a religious person that has no power, no authority, no zeal, no passion, no faith. Come on, you ought to see miracles on the right, miracles on the left. It doesn't matter what the doctor's report says. God's bigger than the doctor's report. God's bigger than the judge in the, in the courtroom. He can turn the heart of the king, Proverbs 21.1. He can turn it like a water course. 
I've been to the mountain. I've seen the promised land. Come on, say that. I've been to the mountain. I've seen the promised land. Say it again. I've been to the mountain. I've seen the promised land. And he was assassinated just after. And I prophesied in the first service. I prophesied in the first service. I'm going to tell you, say it again. That God is doing something in our nation between black and white. He's breaking down the walls. He's breaking down the walls. And we need healing in America. I mean, how is it that the Lord would speak to me while I'm preparing a message and say those words, and then I look it up, it's actually a message? I'm sure I've probably heard of it some other time, but ah, I have a dream. I remember that. That one I know. I've been to the mountain. I didn't know that one. You've been to the mountain? He's inviting you up that you might see your promised land, see your healing, see the deliverance. Have you seen that sin and death has been given the final blow and that you can walk in freedom and power and authority? Have you seen depression, addiction, and affliction break off of your home, break off of your family? Have you seen the curse of the generations broken off? Have you seen what God wants to do on the inside of you and everybody that connects with you? Have you seen it? Can you see it now? Can you allow for your eyes to be open to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you? Can you see it? Can you let your eyes be open to understand that you're more than a conqueror through I am preaching better than you're amening. You're more than a conqueror in Christ that God called you by name out of obscurity that while you were yet in your mother's womb he knit you together and called you to be a prophet to the nations have you seen it have you declared it can you see it today I don't know what you're facing but you need to see Jericho's walls drop down and it won't happen unless you see it yes 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 I've been to the mountain, and I see the land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, in this world, you'll have trouble, no doubt. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, says Jesus. He's more than a conqueror. Come on, Jesus didn't save you to let you be abused. Some of you waiting for the sovereignty of God to come and break you out when he's waiting for you to take your authority and push the enemy back. All that, 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 that. Some of you are waiting for the sovereignty of God to push the devil out of your house, out of your kids' lives, out of your circumstances. And God's waiting for you to take your God-given, blood-bought dominion and drive out darkness by your fervent prayer life. All right. How to, that's how you get God's strategy. You have to see, right? Come on, let's look at this real quick. How to get God's plan. Obey, first of all, for starters, obey. We talked about it. Obey what God's already spoken. God's got a plan. He's going to speak to you. Be humble. Everybody say humble. humble. Truly worship. Everybody say worship. Worship. Live holy. How's God going to speak to you? He's separated from you if you're just living like a dog. Stop it. Stop. You don't know who you are. That's why you settled for the written like we're dog returns to vomit because you don't know who you are. Has anybody ever seen an, uh, like an Olympic level athlete and you've been around them when they're eating? Just try to offer them some junk food. How'd you like some McDonald's? It'd be like, you, you talking to me? They're not going to eat it. 
Why? Because it's going to make them sick. And it's going to deplete their ability to do what God, what, to do the, the race, you understand. Some of you are partnered up with stuff that's doing nothing but diseasing you. And you're trying to run like an athlete, but you're, 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 you're tied to stuff that's not of God. And you're like, why can't I, why don't I have joy? Well, have you quit smoking crack and maybe you'll have joy. You know, and that's, in other words, that relates to disobedience. Quit doing stuff that's undermining your walk. Somebody sold the church a bill of goods that holiness is hard. Oh, it's just hard serving God. It's really hard. It's just being a Christian so hard. I, I'm trying, though. What? What kind of nonsensical, idiotic, what kind of moronic state? Moron is in the is in the dictionary. It's a special stupid. I know what hard is, and being a Christian isn't that. Hard was the way of the transgressor. My Bible says this is this is the Zoe life, life and life to the full, life abundant. Start start believing what God said. Start start encountering His goodness, His kindness, His gentleness, and effective prayer life. Quit being seduced by Hollywood. Quit being seduced by money. Quit being seduced by Jezebel. Quit being seduced by power. Quit being seduced by the things that are trying to lead you down the primrose path and enter on in to the good place. Ah! Hey, enter on into the good things of God. He has it for you. All right. Where are we? Got to see it. All right. Implementing God's strategy. Hear clearly. Everybody say, hear clearly. Now, God will speak to you. Listen, I, I had that experience up in my office. Dr. Martin Luther King preaching. I heard his voice. I went and looked. Now, what, what would happen if you had something else? Listen, every experience or encounter you have, you have to judge it. So what I heard was different. But, I, but it was a, it's, it's biblical. So it lined up with Scripture. What did it do? It moved my spirit. It tied into the whole message I'm preaching. I mean, it's got the fingerprint of God all over it. And then the, this prophetic word about, about the, the, the civil unrest and the strife between cultures in America. I'm going to tell you what the answer is. The answer is a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A great revival. That God would have another Azusa Street in every state. Plus, plus, plus. And every church and every gravel road and every mega church would preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And people would be saved, born again, and filled with the Spirit, and set free from a life of pain and prejudice. If you prejudice, you ain't going to heaven. That's pretty hard, but I mean, how, how are you going to hate someone that you can see? Come on, you prejudiced thing. How are you going to hate somebody that you can see and say you love God? Their angels see the face of God every day. Get rid of your hate. You, you were taught it. Hear clearly. How to implement God's rights. It's an acrostic how. Hear clearly. Obey precisely. You know, he says, go around once a day for six days. On the seventh day, you go seven times around. I'm sure they could have talked themselves out of that. I mean, how strange is that? What? You wanted what? See, Jericho's defeated. Now go march around with your little trumpet and do some special thing. In their mind, you know, they weren't allowed, they, they weren't able to talk. They said nobody can talk. And I'm sure that's because they would have messed it up. Joshua's a knucklehead. Yeah, he brought us through the Jordan, but, but, but come on, give me a break. I mean, what are we doing? Look at these massive walls. Obey precisely. 
Don't cut corners. It's not legalism. Legalism does the same thing as real, heartfelt, worshiping Christianity does. The only thing is it does it for the wrong reason. Please listen. It's for two or three people at least. Legalism fasts. Legalism gives. Legalists pray. Legalists do all that stuff, but they do it. Y'all listening? They do it as a way to get God's favor and love. Some of you are looking at me like, is that wrong? Yeah. Because... Christianity is a love relationship. It's coming from a place that I already have his favor. See, I'm going to serve him because I'm in love with him. You don't have to twist my arm to take my wife on a date. I'm crazy about the woman. Crazy. When we were dating all those years ago, I'd get in my Pontiac. Had a 357 in it. I would finish working at a restaurant. I had a picture of her over my speedometer. Oh, yeah. And I would get in my car, and I would race home. I did not pay attention to the speed limit. I was young, a couple sandwiches short of a picnic. I was just like, I'm off of work. I'm going to see my girl. Yes. And I couldn't wait. And I'd get there like, hi. Seriously motivated. My mom's moving. Watch out. Seriously motivated to see my wife. Why? I really like her. A lot. That's how your walk with Jesus should be. Not you white knuckling and I hope you're going to make it and wave the white flag of God's freedom. Oh, rescue me, God. Oh, Maranatha. Maranatha. It's like I surrender. How about conquer? How about that? All right, I'm almost done. Walk by faith. Everybody say, walk by faith. Got to walk by faith. We move forward. Everything we see around you, our new property, our new building, we didn't have nickel one to do anything. But we move out in faith and the Jordan parts. You get to the other side and it's time for, you know, refreshing and moving on. And then the captain of the host appears and gives us our next instructions. That, that's the Christian walk. And you keep walking by faith, you keep obeying, and God keeps doing miracles. He brings us from glory to glory. God's plan is to reveal his strategy. Oh, pardon me. God's speaking to us. God has a strategy. God has a plan for us. God has a plan for us corporately. God has a plan for you individually. God has a plan for your family. You want that plan. That's the plan you want. You don't want anything else but that. And... God's plan is to, God will reveal strategy to, to men, to women. God will reveal a plan, a strategy to a man. A Lauren Cunningham having an experience of, of all of these youth going all over the world, bringing the gospel, and he starts a thing called YWAM. Ever heard of it? They've released more missionaries into the world than any other organization in, like, recorded history. It's crazy. It's amazing. God, God, will, God will touch someone and give them a vision. And from that vision, move them forward to take the promised land. You know, you understand promised land relates to all that God has promised you. Allow for God to give you a plan and give you a strategy for your life. I'd press in and pray. I don't know where those all-night prayer meetings are anymore for people, but, you know, if you're really hungry and desperate and put your smartphone up that ain't all that smart, and press into God, he'll, re he'll release a plan to you and give you a strategy 
Did you get something today? Would you stand up on your feet all across this place? Oh, our success is a gift from him. That's the final note. Would you stand up and, and just begin to talk to the Lord as we close this service? Father, thank you. Thank you for your plan. That's the one we want. I want that plan. Plan for our life. Plan for our church. Lord, we believe we're walking right dead in the center of your will. I know that we are. Lord, may we stay there as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I pray for those who are discouraged today, those who are downcast and maybe confused about what you want to do, how you want to use us and use them. Lord, I pray for families today. I pray for youth and young adults to have vision, to have a plan, not to be lost to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but to be driven by those strong wind of heaven through a vision and a plan and a strategy. Holy Spirit, come. Make yourself real. Release plans. Release strategies. Open the eyes of our heart. Illuminate us, Lord, that we would see the next step. I pray for discouragement to go from those who've been discouraged, Lord, have been who've been at it for a while and don't see the breakthrough. Release that breaker anointing, as it says in Micah 2.5 or 2.13, somewhere in there. Release that breaker anointing. We thank you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, I want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to him because you drifted in your walk. Don't leave this place in that condition that you came in. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've not been born again, won't you do it today? Won't you repent today and ask him to into your heart? You say, that's me, Pastor Daniel. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right now? You want to get right with God all the way. See that hand all the way in the back. Thank you. Raise your hand high. You want to get right with God first time or recommitment? God bless you. See that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer. God bless you. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for loving me. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray, God, for your beautiful people, each and every one of us, that you would fill us with your spirit. In the name of Jesus. Overwhelm each and every one. Heal every broken place. Break every chain and every bondage. And Lord, give us sight. Give us vision that we may see. Come on, ask God to increase your faith that we may see. Oh Lord, open our eyes that we may see plan and strategy. Just a moment longer. Just worship him. We thank you. Release encouragement. Lord, bring us to the mountain. That great leader of a bygone era and preacher, Dr. Martin Luther King. I've been to the mountain. I've seen the promised land. God... Show us something of the baby, something of the city. Show us. That should motivate us and move us. Supernaturally, walking not by 
our carnal senses, Lord, moved by faith because we've seen. I see that building already done, and I see thousands upon thousands of people filling it. I see church plants all over the nation. I see church plants in Russia. I see church plants taking place overseas. Oh, God, I see missionary trips to China. Oh, I see, I see churches being planted and people being raised up. I see it, God. I see it, Lord. It's for this purpose and reason that you've placed us in this place. I see 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer. I see families healed. I see marriages healed. I see kids coming home. I see wayward sons and daughters returning. God, we thank you and we praise you. Now, Lord, bless your people. Oh, let me say one more thing. If you're at all able to make it tonight, I'm preaching a life-changing message. It's the second in a series called Strong Families. It's going to hit home. If you're able to make it, 6 o'clock tonight. We love you. Let me, let me bless you. Father, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. We'll hope to see you tonight.